So my name is Tommy. Uh, thank you both for having me on the on the show. I'm really excited. So I I was in the foster care system growing up. I was put in the foster care system when I was about 13 years old, uh, and I grew up and I lived with about I lived in about 20 different homes. I went to about 13, 14 different schools. It's really kind of crazy childhood growing up. You know, a lot of abuse going on, uh, or a lot of sub like substance abuse from my dad. Uh, my mom had a chemical imbalance in her brain, so she was very unstable and bipolar. Uh, so as I got a little older and I finally had some stability in my life with a good foster family, I decided to use my experiences and everything that I've learned to put into a book called The Greatest Advantage. And the premise of The Greatest Advantage is kind of just how anyone can use their own adversity and their own pain and obstacles in life. And it's just a very practical guide to how they can use those challenges and how they can use them as motivation and as, as lessons and wisdom uh, to grow as a person. So, you know, a lot of times when people go through hard situations, it's kind of just they become a product of that or a product of what they've seen and grew up around. Uh, so I wrote a book basically just teaching people how to do the exact opposite and how to become, you know, the person that they want to be and how to develop the lifestyle that they want to have have and just learn from it. Uh, so I was 15 when I wrote it, like you said, and now I'm, I recently just turned 18 years old and I'm working on my next book. Wow, that's that's incredible. That's incredible to come where you came from and then you know bottle all that up and put it into a book and to share your story to the world and hopefully like you said so people don't become products of the negative environment that they grew up in uh yeah and to serve as guidance i think that's really inspirational i think that's really important for a lot of people oh yeah absolutely i mean like a lot of times like i'm in the foster care system and i see countless foster kids uh kind of go through the system and then put themselves back in the same position that they were when they were when they were little and their parents put them in um, you know, cause they, that's what they see and they develop habits from that, or they develop their perception of the world and what their life is going to be like based on what they've seen growing up. You know, and just a lot of people become a product of their adversity. Uh, so that's what kind of what I saw growing up. And that's what I knew I didn't want to have happen to me. You know, I knew I would see my dad and his decisions and my mom and how she would react to things. And I just knew, you know, I don't want this lifestyle, but I know I don't want this lifestyle. And I think a lot of kids don't realize how much they don't want it. They just know that that's what it is. Like, that's what life is. Um, so the book was kind of also to, you know, give people or kids perspective about, you know, this is what you're like, your life can be any way that you want. You know, your life can look, mm -hmm. your life can be anything. You can achieve anything in this world. Um, you don't have to settle for, for all that you've seen so far. So like, definitely, I think it's definitely a message that, you know, a lot of people, especially kids or kids in the foster care system, or really anyone with adversity could just learn from. So you do you feel like you broke out of it because of your mindset, like the mindset that you didn't want to be like those other foster kids? Not just the other foster kids, but like really my own parents. Like I would just I would just see my dad, you know, um, my dad never knew his dad. And he had a really rough childhood with her, with his parents, I believe, or, you know, had, had some substance abuse going on. His his family was just making bad decisions and in and out of jail. And I saw my dad became a product of that. And my mom, uh, her mom was in the, no, I'm sorry. My mom was in the foster care system because her mom put her there and my mom didn't have any stability and had a crazy life. And my mom became that exact same person as an adult. Uh, so it was kind of like my parents were kind of two people with, you know, a ton of baggage, that generational baggage, you know, baggage that ran through their families that they both became a product of and they had me. And I think because of that, you know, I, I'm really observant. I was always an observant kid. I was always looking at things and noticing things. And I just noticed the, you know, my parents' behavior. And I noticed that this is just not what I want my life to look like. You know, I knew from a young age, like, I want my life to look different. And one thing with being in the foster care system 
is you get a lot of perspective because you get to see a lot of different families and you get to see how they live and you get to meet a lot of people. And, you know, and I met families and I, I've, I've went and stayed to people that, you know, had that were dirt poor. And I've stayed to people that were millionaires before. So, you know, I've saw I had a lot of perspective of, wow, you can really shape your life to be however you want. Right. It's like you didn't want the cycle to continue. You wanted to break the cycle, essentially. And you wanted other people to be able to have that light. You know, you had it in you to like, oh, I want to write this book and I want this. You know, I want my story to be the reason that people can get out of whatever life they're living. And I think, yeah, like you said, like they want they want the life of not living life like their parents, but they can't always do it by themselves, just within themselves. So I think that the book was a really great idea because I think it's almost like external motivation for people. Whereas like, I want this, but like, I see his story and I'm like, oh, like, I know like this, this is my inspiration. Like, this is like what I want to aspire to be essentially. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think if I, for me, the way I look at things, if I've seen anyone that came, came from circumstances similar or worse than mine that have achieved something, then I believe, you know, I can do it too. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids in foster care, you know, I think if they can see a, a, a fellow foster kid, someone that relates to them and is currently in the system going through it and then becoming a published author and then helping other people. And then, you know, we, we've raised hundreds, if not thousands of books for other foster kids as well. Wow. Uh, or just other kids, you know, in schools that were going through adversity. And there were, the book has been in multiple school curriculums. Um, and they've had kids come out from re- reading the book that talks to myself and the teachers that went and then confess, you know, like their dad beats their mom or that there's drug abuse going on in their house or some really serious issues um, that the book then propelled them to go and come out and speak about that and get help on that. Um, so I think, you know, the kids having seeing another another teenager, just another kid like them saying, like, I'm in the same situation as you guys and, and I'm going to get through this and we're going to get through this, I think is what they need, especially when when all you see is their parents or their family of the world around them. Um, that's just not a good environment, you know? Yeah, I had a, I, I actually heard a story, I think, a couple months back, and it was about how there were two kids, and they had, like, this really drunk and abusive dad, and one of them ended up turning out just like the abusive dad, and then the other one decided to turn their life around and become this really successful businessman, and when asked, like, what happened to them, they said it was because of their childhood and how they grew up. And, you know, that, that successful guy, it seems exactly like you, man. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good right there. That's some wisdom right there. I like that. <laughs> I, I, I actually bought the book the other day. I, I really want to read it. Like, it, it's just, yeah, it's about, like, your story, you said? Like, your, your, your whole, like, an autobiography? Yeah, so the first chapter, so the first chapter is just about my story. Uh, kind of to give the audience an idea of who I am and, and, you know, where, like my credibility for even being able to write the book at all as a 15 year old. And then the rest of the book is I try not to focus on myself very much at all. But the rest of the book is just about the lessons I've learned from my story. Uh, so I have I have stuff in there talking about goal setting, uh, talking about creating a vision for your future. Um, I have things about just being a gratitude. There's a lot of things about gratitude in there, uh, a work ethic and just basically different things that I've, I had to develop and keep my mind growing up. Uh, just to be able to just to get through it and be happy and just to have a plan in my head for, you know, what I want my life to look like in the future. Because like for me, the only the only thing I had control of when we were moving all the time and when my dad was on substances or my mom was going crazy, the only thing I could control was my attitude. Like I felt like my they had I had no control over anything else, but I always knew in my head that they couldn't take away my attitude. Um, I know that sounds cliche, but that's really how I thought growing up. 
And I think that played a big role into who I am today. Uh, Cause now, you know, gratitude is just such an important part of my life of just sitting back and thinking of, wow, this, th- even though I don't have these things, or I don't have control of these things. I'm so grateful for this, 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 and this, or I'm so grateful just for the control I'm going to have over my life in the future. And I think that really helped me get through it rather than, you know, want to rely, want to turn into that or turn into my parents or go rely on, on external things just to be able to, just for comfort or be able to get through it, I guess. Uh, I entered the system when I was 14. Uh, really? So, wow. Yeah, I, I was I was late compared to compared to most people. I know most people enter the system when they're little. Um, I kind of I kind of put myself in the system in a, in, a, in some ways because um, I lived with my I lived with my mom when I was 12, and it was just so bad there that I decided to move in with my dad. And my dad, I knew it was bad there too, but I was hoping you know it was going to be better on that side at least. So I went with my dad. And it was so bad there that it was worse than my mom's house the first time. So I went back with my mom. And then once I was there for a few months, my mom kind of just told me, she was like, you need to figure out somewhere to go or you need somewhere to be uh, besides here again. And you have a few days to figure it out or you're going in foster care. And so I pretty much just, just moved out and then ended up being placed in foster care over time. Oh, so, so you, what your dad, yeah, uh-huh. you go. I was though. gonna say, like, so at, at foster care, is that where you developed the idea? Like, I want to write what I like, I want to write a book based on what I've done. Like, how did you sort of get into the writing aspect? So, I actually like never had a desire to be a writer, I've, I've never really been into writing. Um, I guess for me, I knew that I didn't want to be a writer, but I did want to do things such as be on podcasts like this, and I wanted to do interviews. Right. Like have story. Yeah, yeah. Like I wanted to be able to inspire people and just help other people mm-hmm. in similar situations. I was, and I knew that I wouldn't just be able to go on stages and speak or wouldn't be able to just go to interviews and, and start sharing my story for, for no reason, just because I'm a father. So I figured for me, writing the book would be a really good doorway and, and gateway and, just, and to be able to get interviews like this and be able to get or go on TV or go speaking engagements and stuff like that. So I figured the book for me was going to be a great way uh, to develop that. So I just, I got the idea, started a book. And then within the next few weeks, I just started brainstorming it. And then I just started writing and I wrote for about a week straight because it was for Easter break during school. Um, it was during my, I think it was during my freshman year of high school. And I just started, I got the idea to start writing. So I just started doing it for about a week and then I was halfway through. And then I would, I would wake up about 4am before school and just start writing every day um, for like an, at least an hour or so before school. And then within a few weeks it was done. And then I just sent it out to editors and began the publishing. So you process. finished the book within a month. That that was that was all that, that was, took. Uh, I think it might have been like three months. That's insane. How how long like, is the book? The book's only about it's about ninety pages or somewhere between ninety and hundred pages. I'm pretty sure. And you were but, you were a freshman at the time. Yeah, I was a freshman. Oh, wow. I'm sure. Yeah, I was a freshman when I finished writing it. We've had other authors on here, and they would they would take like over a year and a half to write their books, and they were like half the length of yours. I I, I don't know. I watch. I see interviews and stuff with other authors mm-hmm. and they say, you know, like, Oh, I was just really pushing through it. I got it done in a year or two years or, or things like that. I don't know. That's, that's one way to do it. And keep in mind, I was, still, I was still in school when I was writing my book. So it wasn't like I didn't have any, and I was, and I was playing, playing sports too. So it wasn't like I didn't have just any responsibilities and I was, and I was just sitting at home all day writing. Like, I don't know. I, the way I kind of work is I have kind of an obsessive work ethic where once I start something, it's like it's just on my mind until until I finish it. So like if that's writing or or just anything, like once I start something, it's just like that's what's on my mind until it's done. Uh, so with writing, 
you know, that I started writing the book and I was just really motivated by the vision of where the book was going to take me uh, and the opportunities I was going to, I was going to acquire from the book. And that's not something that I wanted to wait another year or two before I acquired. That's something I wanted right then that moment. Um, so I just, I would just stayed focused on it and got it done as soon as I could. And it wasn't like I rushed through it just to get it done by tomorrow and say I published it. You know, I still sent it out to editors and they took months to review it and look over it. Uh, but as far as just writing the book itself on my end, I try to do it as timely and as effective as I could. So I think because you kept, obviously, like you kept it really like, you know, raw and like emotional. And um, I think that might have helped also make, go. you know, when you're just, I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. Like when you're really, like when you're really in that zone, when you're writing and you're like, you're really focused on your experiences and your case or like what you're writing about. And you're just, that's just what you're doing. That's what you're obsessed with in that moment. Uh, I think it just comes net. Yeah, abs absolutely. Like a lot of writers, you know, for, for perhaps a fiction writer, you know, they have to plan out for months or even as they're writing their story and their characters and, um, or if it's, for most nonfiction books, you know, they take months of doing research and studies and interviews. Uh, for my book, it was just simply my story and what I've learned throughout my life. And it wasn't things that I've learned that I was just making up. Like it wasn't like something I learned um, that I just – I heard or I was studying I found in another book or an interview and I decided just to, to use that. Like these were things that I learned from my childhood that I used almost on a daily or very, you know, very regular basis. Uh, so for me, I was just writing about my life and experiences uh, and knew that it could inspire other people. So I think for me, it wasn't like I had to do a lot of planning or how to do a lot of research. Like I didn't even, I didn't even write an outline. And this wasn't a good idea looking backwards. It's created some problems in the, in the editing process. But I didn't even write an outline. I just started writing. Um, so I think for me, it was a lot easier process than most authors, for sure. Most most authors are content with having their book out in a year or two. I also figure out, like, if you give yourself a deadline, no matter what the project is, if you give yourself a deadline of 30 days or a deadline in, thir in three years, you know, that's when you're going to accomplish it. Like, if you wait, you know, if you say, I have to clean my room in the next three hours, or I need to clean my room at some point in the next three months, you know, that that's when you're going to accomplish it. Um, and I think a lot of authors are very content with saying, you know, a, this is a book. It's a big it's a big journey, you know, which it is. So I'm going to finish this in the next two or three years. I mean, but in reality, like I know your, your podcast is business holics. I feel like production and speed is, you know, the, the key to business. Whoever can sell the fastest, whoever or whoever can grow the fastest. Um, and I think they kind of the same thing as a writer. You know, I was 15 and I wanted the headline, you know, 15 year old author. I didn't want to mm -hmm. wait and say 18 year old author. You know, I wanted my book title, my book cover to have, you know, perspective of a 15 year old on there. Well, we're title and this 8,000 books sold by 17. That still sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 That works exactly. too. How so, long did it take you to write the second book? So I'm still working on the second book right now. Uh -huh. um, the second book, my first book, that was like my focus right now. From, from, I mean, right in that moment. And that's what I was obsessed with. For this yeah. second, it's not that I'm not as passionate about it. Or I'm not as motivated about the book. But right now, so actually, I just got my insurance license. And uh -huh. I'm starting I'm starting an, uh, a life insurance agency. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So right now, my, my insurance agency is like my number one priority. And I'm kind of launching this off the ground. And once this, once this is really launched and, and starting off, that's when I'm going to really dive in on my second book. So right now, my second book, has just been a lot of like outlining and a lot of planning because writing for me, writing is actually like the easier part. Cause once you get in the flow, uh, it's easier just to write for a few days or yeah. for hours at a time and not really think about it. Um, outlining for me is what's more difficult. 
Okay, and I didn't do that for my first book either. So right now I've just been outlining and I just finished the outline. So I'm going to start really writing it uh, probably in the next few weeks. I'm hoping I'm hoping by next week because my insurance agency should be starting up about this this week or next week. Is the second book uh, like what picks up where the first book left off or is it about like something like a, a different perspective? Kind of. So my first book, my first book kind of was also where I was at in life. In the sense of, you know, when I was 15, I was living with the foster family uh, that I just moved in with a few months prior. And then I moved to a new foster family a few months later. And I was going through a lot of adversity and a lot of struggle. Um, Even in the midst of writing that book, while I was writing that book, I was going going through a lot. And I kind of was writing the book for myself as well as for other people, um, for other people in, in similar circumstances. So that book was a reflection of where I was at that time of overcoming adversity, learning from it. Um, growing, growing and going through it. And this new book is kind of more of a reflection of where I'm at in this current phase of life. And my, where I'm at right now is just about, you know, developing myself uh, to kind of develop the lifestyle that I want to have for the rest of my life in the sense of financial freedom, um, happiness, you know, spiritual, spiritual happiness and spiritual growth. Um, and just growing all around like right now I'm not really I'm not really in the phase of life anymore where I'm thinking about you know my parents and my my childhood trauma now I'm figuring out okay you know where do I want to be in the next five ten years and how can I get there you know how can I build the biggest business I can how can I surround myself with winners and people that are dominating in different industries or how can I surround myself with people that are going to bring me to the next level of life that I want to be at um and that's really my goal is to where I'm at right now. So this next book is going to be more a reflection of that and how people can also do the same thing. Okay. So like the first book was more like past reflection and kind of like looking forward, like, like we've established that part and like now we're seeing where we can go from there, like the highest we can go from there. Yeah, that's, that's a really good way to word it. Yeah. So I guess the past book would be, I guess it's kind of, it's not really a sequel, but I guess it could be a sequel in a sense of that's like for overcoming your past and adversity. And this is more for going forward and where to get where to take the next steps at yeah i'm just like i'm just really sh- shook on you how did, how did exactly did you break out because you know I, I was reading your book the other day like i had received it in like the mail a couple of days ago yeah. and i started reading and you were talking about like how you would switch schools so many times and things like that and then there was like this moment in the book where you were talking about like you were in the seventh grade or something you were attending a predominantly hispanic and african-american school and then because of the people you hung around you would end up getting into like really poor, uh, poor situations because of poor decisions. Like, how did you break out of that? Like, how did your mindset just change? I mean, I kind of even knew when I was doing it, I knew that's not what I really wanted to be doing. Um, and I felt very alone at home. Like I was living with my grandma, uh, my grandma who had, you know, had poor health conditions in her little tiny apartment. And she was working, riding her bicycle to work every day. And I work all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I was living with. So I didn't really have anyone looking after me or anyone there for me or any parents or anything, or I guess authority or guides in my life. Um, so being around those people, I felt like that was my way to kind of, to kind of have some type of support or some type of, of just relationships in my life. And so I'm saying this because even when I was doing those things, that's not what I really wanted to be doing. You know, I didn't like, <laughs> I would just make poor decisions on a daily basis. Like I, I would jump in, uh, in the UPS trucks and honk the horn. <laughs> just like, just this, just this stupid. And, I, and then I started, we you know, that's where it started at. But then I started hanging out with friends 
well, I say friends, hanging out with people that, you know, were, were selling drugs and were drinking every day. And just people that, you know, were putting themselves in terrible circumstances that I, I did not want to be part of. Uh, but I felt like that was my only choice. Um, so I ended up actually, luckily, I moved out of that area to a new area and with a lot better kids. And that's kind of when I got my head on my shoulders a little bit more of, okay, thank goodness I'm out of there now. Like now I'm going to have, friends, I'm going to make a new group of friends with these people that are doing a lot better. So I, I definitely can say I got very lucky. I'm very fortunate to have moved out of there. Like if I would have stayed in that area, I don't know how I would have turned out. You know, I might, I might end up being the same mess as, as those guys now. Um, and most of them are in jail or in and out of jail now or just have like felonies and stuff at like 18, 19 years old. It's crazy. Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate that I moved to a better area with a lot of with a lot better kids. Yeah, it really goes to show how society is so different in all aspects. It's like a different world and you're just a hundred, a couple hundred miles away, right? Yeah. Um, like, well, I remember we said this, you know, you said this before we, we, we officially started the podcast of, you know, you're the product of the five people you surround yourself with, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is really true. Cause either both areas, both areas that I was in, I was the same kid, you know, like on the inside, deep down, you know, I was the same, the same me, the same Tommy. I didn't want to be doing those things when I was in, when I was in that area, the bad area. Uh, but you know, I still was cause of the people around me and their lifestyle or their habits and their decisions. Um, and I don't know, just their recklessness that really influenced me and that influenced my habits and my way of thinking and my, my mind subconsciously. So, you know, the people that you surround yourself with and just the environment that you put yourself in in general is just, is just really, really important to be mindful of. Yeah, I think also uh, like in your situation, I feel like you probably felt like obligated to do that. Like, let's say let's say they were doing something and everyone was doing it and like, you know, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing this, but you're just going to do it anyway because you don't really care in that moment. Um, you know, I think that like the people who they know that they shouldn't be doing when they're in that type of environment, especially for a long period. Of- oh, yeah, yeah. Like it was it was it was definitely just peer pressure of of wanting some type of relationships in my life or wanting wanting some type yeah. of some type of approval. Like the guy that I was one of the guys that I was mainly hanging out with. It was me and two other guys for the most part. And one of the dudes, you know, was like the most popular dude in the whole school. But, you know, he was selling cocaine to seventh graders. <laughs> well, he was in seventh grade. And he was like 16. Um, just just absolute craziness. Like things that, that I look back and reflect now. And I'm like, I can't even imagine being like my life looking like that. I can't imagine living life like being a drug dealer or something. But that's that's what I was surrounding myself with then. So definitely just goes to show, you know, how much is peer pressure peer pressure or just people's desire for approval or I guess lack of judgment really does just affect into your decisions and and what you're willing to tolerate. Yeah, it was like your whole your whole novel had like a whole character arc. There was so many interesting plot events. Like it was crazy. <laughs> I remember reading that part about how your English teacher, she had noticed an essay you had written, and then she ended up inviting you to live with her? That's yeah. insane. Yeah, that was, that was my foster mom for uh, for two years. Wow, that is crazy. Uh, that's, the, that's the longest family I've, I've ever lived with. Um, yeah, I moved in with her. Like, she read my, my essay. Uh, I had to write about a big giant in my life. Uh, and my big giant at the time was that I was almost homeless. Um, so, yeah, I read about that. And I, t- I actually found my essay the other day. Really? I documents and I read it. And it was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I found it. Well, I, I wrote it 
And then she basically went and reported that to the school board because that's like what teachers have to do mm-hmm. when kids are going through some terrible things like that. So that's that's kind of uh, how I got put. I really got officially put in foster care um, was because the school board got involved and then they sent that to the to the DCFS office, which is like the foster care or family services. So that's when I was officially put in in the system wow. and then moved in with her. And that's so that's so like spur of the moment unexpected too. Wow, wow, wow. That's that's so and I've never that's so like like unique. Like I've I've never heard that before. This has gotta be one of the best episodes we've ever had, if not the best. <laughs> that's so that's insane. And who yeah. who would have thought? And like wow. I don't even know what to say. I'm just like that's so crazy to think like all the different places that you've been, like do you think that because obviously you know you've been to what 13 14 different schools obviously have to have had to have met a ton of different people um different types of people too do you think that that's like affected like do you think that you're better socially because you've been around so many people oh i i i think so you know my mom my mom was in sales growing up my whole life uh even though she was she had her craziness uh she was a great saleswoman um and you know growing up i had to basically kind of sell myself to to families and said not sell myself like for money uh but sell them on, on my character and hey you can trust me i uh, to come move in with you guys and how to sell myself to in a sense to to other students every time you get to a new school and you're you're the new kid every single six months you know to go everyone everyone at their schools already had their friend groups and their cliques and their and their friends set up so for me being the new kid every single six months it was like i need to really learn some people skills like i need to learn how to go talk to people because uh, I don't want to be the weird kid every single school. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think I think definitely from a social aspect, I think it was a huge help. And I've always I've always just really been into psychology. And like I read books like how to win friends and influence people. And oh, Dale I'm, Carnegie. Yeah, yeah, Dale, I'm a big Dale Carnegie fan. That guy's a genius. Uh, and I'm reading a book right now called How to Master the Art of Sales. Um, and I don't know, I've just always really been in, interested in it. And I, so I think growing up me going to all those places and stuff has really kind of created that interest for me. Um, but, and I think it definitely has helped a lot too. Do you still keep in contact with the, these guys that you would like move every six months with? Yeah. So I moved, when I moved every single six months, uh, that was like growing up with my mom and her boyfriends and stuff for the most part, different guys. Uh, I don't, I don't talk to any of those guys now. I don't have contact with any of them, but all of the families that I've ever lived with for the most part, I still, I still contact most of them. And still stay in touch and visit most of them. And your ELA teacher, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, my e my ELA teacher is still like I moved out of their household, but they're they're still like my family. Like I went and visit them for the holidays, and I I contact them all the time. I'm going to her son's her son's basketball games. Um, he just started basketball season, so they're pretty much still like my family to me. Cause even though I moved out, they I was with them the longest out of any family, and they were just really really good people. Like they just did a lot for me. And so there's some there there are people that's always gonna be like family in my heart. How did you how do you like how did you react when you saw that your book was like you know gaining a lot of popularity? Yeah, like did you expect of, that? None of none of that was was by accident. Like I I was on I was on the news. I was on uh, tons of podcasts. I was on podcasts uh, that got tens of thousands of views um, on Facebook and on it combined on Facebook and YouTube. Um, you know I got in contact with Britney Spears's mother. Um, and me and her are still really good friends to this day. And all the pu- publicity and and sales that my book had was from me reaching out. Was from me reaching out. So none of it was like accidental. Like, hey, will you just come on this? 
the, like the majority of all of the public speaking engagements or public podcasts or interviews I've done were me reaching out, searching for opportunities, and then pursuing those. Um, and then through that, creating sales. So it wasn't like it just accidentally kind of, it was released and then popped off. Um, actually, COVID really, at first, when it first came out, it actually was published February, the month right before COVID shut down the country. Um, and when it first came out, it popped off in a way that I would, I was, I would have never imagined because I went, I spoke at a school board meeting and at the school board meeting, I had a hundred principals all wanting the book in their curriculum, um, which was, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of books and a whole throughout all these schools in the whole parish. And I was like, wow, I can't even imagine this. This is crazy. And then as soon as right before we, we went through with it, COVID shut down the whole country. And then I couldn't get in contact with any of the schools because they were all closed down for like the rest of the school year. And then next year, they were just so worried on managing masks and managing, you know, the mandates that the government was putting on them that none of them were interested in the book anymore. And that shut down so much. Um, but I didn't want to use that as an excuse or as a reason for the book not to sell. So, so that's when I just really pushed going on podcasts, doing public interviews. So I'm, I'm saying this because all the, all the success that the book had, it was, it was very intentionally planned out and and thought of it wasn't like it just randomly happened if that makes sense how did how did you get people convince people to like how did you convince people to start reading your book in the first place like how did you begin to get all this traction like were you were you in contact with like people who already like you know like principals and people who are head of the school board and things like that yeah so so i was a close friend to my principal at the school I'm at, i was at um i'm at now and me and my principal have we've been on a very good relationship because me and her, me and her son were bit, were very close friends. Um, I also I played four sports, so I was always doing things for the school as far as sports wise. Oh, um, which sports? I did track, cross country, soccer, and tennis. Oh, nice. So there was all I was just really involved in the school, so I knew a lot of the students. I knew the principal very well. So when the book first came out, uh, the principal let me have a signing, and at my signing, it was also open to the public. So we had a few hundred people there, and we had a few hundred cells, and that's what kind of really got the book initiated um, and kind of get, got it out there. So then the whole school knew about it, then all the parents and the public of the parish I was, I'm in, uh, they all knew about it. And so ever since then, anytime I ever saw an interview or a pod, every time I, I ever saw anyone do a podcast or an interview that was somewhat, somewhat within the niche of my book and my brand, I would just reach out to them. And I would just ask them if they were interested in having me as a guest. Um, and then that would allow opportunities for more podcasts. Or I would make co close relationships with the, the, the host. And they would introduce me to other people that also had podcasts. Um, or just other people that were important to know in general. Um, so that's kind of just how, I guess, I, I got the ball rolling with it. It was like networking almost. Yeah, just a lot, yeah, just a lot of networking. And I think... The title, the title in itself is, I think, a, like title in itself is very deep. I think the greatest advantage is that I, I assume is that you talking about like how something that you were like the situation that you were put in, obviously had no control in. Um, it's just obviously, you know, people look at it as something bad and obviously it's very negative. It's a bad situation to be. It's a tough situation to be in. Uh, but you can, but you, you turn that around and you use that as fuel to the fire, essentially. Like, do you feel this? really you're glad that this happened because it led to you becoming the person who you are today oh absolutely you know when you're going through it it feels like it's gonna last forever 
and it felt like the adversity when I was in the struggles, what I was going through, it felt like it was lasting the rest of my lifetime because it's all I knew growing up. Uh, but over time, you know, now, especially now that I'm out of that situation and, you know, now that I am a young adult and I have control over my life and, and more opportunities and I'm not confined to just, you know, my family circumstances anymore. Now I can definitely say, you know, it's the best thing that's ever happened to me because I've learned so much. You know, I've learned a lot of lessons. I have a lot of skills now, like people skills and like, you know, I have a, I have a book, you know, just the book, having a book itself because of my, because of my adversity is all worth it. A book that can help other people and inspire other people. So the great, the greatest advantage is adversity is your struggles. Um, so I didn't really know how to title it when I was thinking of it, but I knew that the premise was that your struggles and what you're going through can be the best or the worst thing for you, depending how you use it. So that's kind of the premise I had in my mind. So through that, uh, me and some other authors that were helping me just, you know, help me brainstorm and teaching me, you know, how, how to publish it and everything. They get, they helped me come up with the idea of the greatest advantage. Wow. 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 As just, everything is, it's so thorough. It's really incredible. Like to, you know, not, and like I said before, not everyone can have the great advantage in a sense that like people who are put in the same situation as you, not everybody's going to use it in the same way that you did. So I think it's, you know, your great advantage enough people see your advantage now they can have the, now they can create their own advantage out of whatever situation that they're in if they're in a similar you know situation as you were no i say like you know we with your great advantage and we can keep you keep creating great advantages all over with whoever reads your book yeah yeah that's the goal just teach people how to do it you know these people you know the goal is i want to make the book very practical and not just tell them like you're going to get through this or you know just stay positive like i want the book to be a very practical guideline of here's what you got to do um, and, you know, I, hopefully I, I think I did a good job of that, of making it as practical as I could for people to, to break down for them. So like you said, you know, hopefully they, they can use their own adversity and their own struggles to have their own greatest advantage. Yeah. Like even in your summary here, you're talking about how you went from the, you're like, you're trying to stray away from the mindset of a victim and then turn all those problems like all those complaints that a lot of people would have and then you're turning them into solutions you're turning them into something where you're improving yourself you're getting yourself into a better place that is that is so insane a mindset especially at 14 years old that is yeah i don't even know what i was doing at 14 how did you old. develop it that young like i i don't like how do you I have that much insight i didn't really get into this motivation stuff until i was like 16 <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I just really saw, you know, I like, I think a lot of people that get really into motivation and all that, you know, they're like, Oh yeah, I want to be successful and all that. And for me, it wasn't even, it wasn't even that I really, I had an insane desire to be really successful. Like I do want to be, I want to be as successful as I can. And I want to reach as much of my potential as I can get there to, as I can get to. But for me, I just really didn't want to be where I was at, um, where I was at currently in that state of my life. It's just somewhere I really didn't want to be, so I was just learning and observing and taking it as much as I can of how do I get out of this. Um, so I think I kind of had an earlier head start than a lot of people because a lot of people were starting to plan out, you know, start thinking about their success, you know, maybe maybe when they're 16 at really early, uh, but usually not to like their early 20s or whatnot, or maybe like 18, 19, until they actually get to that point where it's like, okay, now I, I want to start creating this life for myself. Uh, for me, I was like, I want to create this life so I can get out of this one. Um, so I think I just had an earlier, an earlier head start because that's where that's where my life was. You know, I all I did I did a lot of just thinking and a lot of just observing, 
Um, and I was just really observant growing up. And I just really watched my parents and watched behavior and watched their habits. And I was always really curious by like what got them here. Like not just what are my parents doing, but what got them to this point of being like this um, and their psychology of what makes them like this. Um, so I, th I think that's for me where I developed that insight so young of just being very observant and being just very curious about behavior and just not just like, I think a lot of kids see it and they're like, oh, my parents are doing this for some reason. I always grew up and I was always just thought, you know, why are my parents like this? Why do they do these things? And I wanted to understand the deeper reason of their why and what led them here rather than just what they're doing. And I think that correlates now to just a big, a big part of the way that I think. And the way that I, I thought that led me to write that book. Have you talked other kind of going into their own projects to reflect on their You're like, Are you the only one that got out? Uh, I'm, I'm the only one that's published a book while in foster care. Um, I'm, Is that like a record? <laughs> kind of. So <laughs> it, was, it wasn't a record of foster care saying, oh, good job. You're the first one to ever do this. Uh -huh. it, was, it was actually a court order saying you can't release this book because it hasn't been done before and we don't want you to. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it was it was oh, actually like a that? court, like them saying, what'd you what? say? Why, why would they have that? Because <laughs> um, they found out my book was coming out and they were really scared that I was going to say something negative about the foster care system or I was going to and they try to frame it. So as a foster care, you have confidentiality and which prevents other people from posting that you're a foster kid. So nobody can go out there and say, oh, Tommy sequence of foster care on social media because that's supposed to be like confident. I'm um, not confident. What's the word? Class that's like classified information, I guess. Um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, you know, I published a book saying I'm in foster care on the front cover. And then I had thousands of people sharing it on Facebook and I, like, I don't I don't remember all the reasons foster care said why I can't publish it, but I, it was really about them being scared. I was going to say something negative about them. Uh, so they basically tried to tell me that I wasn't allowed to publish it because it hasn't been done and no other foster kid published a book before while in care. Well, and they told me I wasn't going to be able to publish it until I was 18. Um, so basically, I, basically, to make a long story short, I just told them that I wouldn't publish it if I felt I was going to be an under – if I was going to get in any trouble – um, and I just, and I published it anyways. And I figured you know, like, what's the worst case to happen? Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? They're going to kick me out of foster care. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just published it. And then they, they woke up one day and it was already on Amazon, Walmart, Target, Barnes and Nobles, my own website, iTunes and China. And at that point they it like, it literally happened overnight. I got it on every single retailing store overnight. So the next day, there was there would be nothing they could do about it, and and I had a book signing before I told anybody it was out. So I had a book signing to make sure it was in the hands of hundreds of people before foster care even knew it was out there yet. Mm, smart. So I I, I tried try to think as many ways as I could to prevent foster care from shutting it down. That's I've never and I I would even think that that situation would happen. Like I understand like you know like they don't want you publishing it because they don't want you to say something negative about foster care, but. I, that's just, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, no words. Like, yeah, it was, it was definitely that's, a very weird situation. That's really well thought out. The people before they can shut it down. So at least that way, you know, the book will be distributed somehow if you can't sell it publicly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. As like a 15 year old, 
I mean, there was, was probably definitely a sense of me, or I guess at 16 at the time, a part of me that they said no, and I wanted to do it just to show them that I could do it, I guess, just to show them that, like, I don't know. And, and there was another part of me that was like, look, I'm 16. I'm writing a book to help people. And you're trying to, I'm, I'm writing a book to help kids that are in your system and you're trying to shut this down. So I don't know. I was, I was just very eager to do whatever I could to get it out there. Did you, did you feel the same support uh, other kids within the foster care system that you were like, you know, in the same location that you were, did they like, you know, did you kind of develop, like talk about? Uh, so I talked to with them after the book came out. Um, so once the book came out, I actually, I, I went to, I went to, to, to the state, the state capital, and I proposed different, different laws for foster care. So I kind of advocated in Congress uh, for laws on behalf of DCFS. And, and then I did some work with some nonprofit organizations, uh, one called, called Independent Living Program, uh, which is a program for foster kids about to live on their own or age out of the system. Um, it's like a mentorship program, kind of. And I went, I spoke there multiple times and kind of did some teaching and taught some, I taught some classes a little bit. Um, and I was involved in multiple different programs with, or organizations with foster care, basically kind of going and speaking or teaching or just even giving out books a lot of the times. Um, so once the book officially came out, that's when I started doing more, more things with the foster kids. And, and for Christmas, when it came out that Christmas, um, so not this Christmas, but the one before that, I did a book drive and we got, we got a few hundred books that were given to foster kids and all, and like the parish and a few parishes around me. So all the foster kids in my area and the areas around me all have a copy of my book as well. Oh, so like, is your book known in foster cares nationwide? Not nationwide. Uh, it's, that's the goal to get it to nationwide, but right now it's, it's known I wouldn't even say like fully on a state level because we have so many foster kids in care in our in Louisiana, uh, but definitely like the like the parishes, my parish and the parishes around me. Uh, but I also my parish has the most foster kids out of any parish in Louisiana, and I'm pretty sure Louisiana has the most foster kids out of the majority of the states in the country. I'm pretty sure. So I'm pretty sure my parish has the most foster, almost the most foster kids in the country. Um. So, but so at least all the foster kids in my parish and the ones around it know about the book. Are you gonna plan to market your book uh, in the same way, or like to kids who are still in foster care, or would you sort of market to the general public as kind of like, this is what you know someone who's gone through foster care is kind of doing now? Like this is my outlook. Oh, I, it's for it's for anybody because the pers- the perspective is of me as a foster kid, so. I market it pretty heavily to foster kids because they can relate to it and they're more like they'll be more likely drawn to it. But like anyone with any adversity, like I see people that really, really family struggle, it, it hits home with for a lot of people because I think they can relate to it. But whether you're going through a breakup or you're going through through anything, you know, we talk. I talk about heartbreak in there. I talk about people like people that deal with addiction in there. Um, so like whatever type of adversity you're going through for the most part, I talk about peer pressure, about worrying about judgment from other people. So whatever it is, that's adversity in your life. Um, there's going to be something in there for you, which you can, or even if you're not going through anything, even if you're just in a good state, a good place, it's also just a book that you can read and take from just to elevate and go further. Like, even if you're happy and you have nothing going on, just about like setting goals and practicing gratitude and surrounding yourself with winners and stuff like that. It's just stuff that anybody can take from 
and apply to just grow and become better versions of themselves. Wait, what's and, the name of the next book you're uh, releasing? I'm I'm not positive what the title is yet. That's oh. that's still in the in the brains. I usually don't know the title until the book's over. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, because I kind of just I kind of just write it, and then after that I'm. <laughs> That's when I'm like, all right, because you know sometimes when you make a plan for the book, it doesn't even go as planned. Like, yeah. you know, who knows? I might I might go to write this book, you know, for people, you know, wanting to be like create their dream life and wanting to you know create like an empire as a young adult, and then the book might totally turn into something different. What do you think is going to be released? Um, the goal is for April. April, wow. April, May, May latest, but the goal is for April or May. If there's a chance it'll be in the summer, which I'm really hoping not. It comes, I don't know, because like finding editors or having the editors take the time to read it and stuff like that, mm-hmm. kind of a challenge. Because you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go rush people because people have lives and they and have jobs and families. So I want to rush them. Um, but having editors take time to read it, especially voluntarily, uh, you know, might take a little time. So it kind of just depends. But I'm hoping for April or May. And then, how did you when you were first in the first book? When you were writing the first book, how did you get in contact with a bunch of editors and publishers? So my foster mom was a teacher um, that I was I was living with the teacher at the time. So she was an editor. Her husband was ironically just randomly a fantastic writer. Uh, he helped me. And the first book was really just a lot of like family friends um, and other and other teachers. Okay. Or so yeah, it wasn't like like the first book wasn't professional editors or anything like that. It was kind of just family friends, and I'm not sure about this one if I want to go the family friends again or if I want to go professional editors. Um, I'm not sure, but this next one, I- I'm leaning towards professional editors right now, just just to, like to for time's sake. But so that's what that's how I went down with the first one. I think that what I continue to do is incredible. I think it's extremely thoughtful. Uh, you know, to be somebody that. You know, not just going through foster care adversity, but any type of adversity that kids or anybody really can relate to and kind of their struggles with and have, you know, gain motivations for them. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever met someone who's been as been through as much as you have at such a young age and has persevered to a level where, you know, you're writing a book, you're selling 8000 books by like 17 years old. That's absolutely insane. And your second book's coming out soon, right? Especially yeah. the crazy. that you were in. That's insane. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm I'm just very grateful. You know, I chose to use it as drive and and not just decide to go, you know, do drugs or <laughs> just make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So I definitely got very lucky and I'm very fortunate how it worked out. But I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. I think it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah.